Labor Day weekend. One great service, and we are glad you're here. I'm going to have a little fun with you this morning. We're going to do something just a little bit different today, and I hope you enjoy it. Um, certainly, we hope that you will grow in your relationship with Christ. Um, you might see that Pastor John's sitting down here this morning. He will be back with us next week, so you can look forward to that. I know you're ready to have him back, aren't you? <laughs> What's the matter? You don't like like me and Jace and uh, and uh, Jared? Come on. Hey, um, I you know Michael started this morning with something that that caught me a little bit off guard. Um, I do remember he was weird, <laughs> and we did pray for him. But September first, it dawned on me this morning as he was sharing. This is an anniversary for me. Because you know what today is? The opening of dove season. People are out shooting symbols of the Holy Spirit this morning. <laughs> On September 1st of around 1980, I was out dove hunting. And I came home that evening and the pastor from our church was there. And little did I know that I would walk out of darkness into light that night. A little, over, a little under 40 years ago, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And, wow, you remember the day you gave your life to the Lord? We, we don't think about it enough, do we? This morning I'm going to share with you, oh, and by the way, typically we would have communion on this day, but we're going to postpone that till next week because it's such a unique day so we can have our whole family um, here to take communion together. You'll see on the screen that the title of the sermon today is The Best Question Ever. I want you to think about what do you think would be the best question ever? Of course, when I say that, you might disagree with what I think is the best question ever, but that's okay. Be thinking about it for a moment and let me have a little fun with you and do a little walk down memory lane to... Uh, to kind of set up where we're going this morning. Um, I gave my life to the Lord, as I told you, on a September 1st. It was in 1989 that Grace Community Church hired me. That was that night. I had hair. <laughs> that was one of the early days at beach camp, which we still do. Uh, I don't know if you can see it in the picture, but I have some stuff on me. I'm not quite sure what it was. It looks like whipped cream or something. That's one of the early Mexico trips. I was, I, I was a weirdo. I mean, I looked weird, don't you? Chris, Christy. She's over there nodding her head. That was one of our early Mexico trips, and we still do that. I don't really know where this, what this was exactly, but I, if you see the guy in the red next to me, that's Corey Ogborn. That's a costume thing we did, and uh, that is Becca Tilly, in case, you're, in case you didn't notice. Can you believe that? She put that jacket on that I was wearing, and, and uh, yeah. That was my last day as the youth pastor at Grace Community Church, and I only show that to you because those are the three, at the time, what I would have said are the three most influential people in my life, 
Rich Jones on the, on the left, which many of you know. Next to him is uh, Pastor Vern Thompson, who is with the Lord now. He's the guy that led me to the Lord on the night that I gave my life to Jesus. And Sheila Lewis was a gal I worked with in a grocery store before, before I was a believer, and she played a huge role in my life and gave me a book, actually, that who would have known was a, uh, what I would say the first Christian book I ever read, and it was The Screwtape Letters. And of course, that's the Allen family today. And I show you those pictures, and I, this would apply to all of you, I show you those pictures because from that day to this day, there, a lot has happened in all of our lives. There's been a lot of ministry. Ministry where we greeted people and met people, um, where we talked about heart issues, spiritual things, Bible studies, retreats, conferences, breakfasts, dinner, I mean, worship services. People have come and gone in that time. So many conversations. Think of all the conversations you've had with people over the years. And through those conversations have been lots of questions. Lots of questions, really, you know, interesting and important questions. One question I think, as I think about all those questions, the best question ever. Anybody want to take a shot at it? What do you think would be the best question ever? Nobody willing to step out and... What do you think? I, sorry? What can you do to get better? Good question. Have you accepted Jesus Christ? Great question. Where do we go when we die? Really? Good question. Other questions? What must I do to be saved? Great question. Not the one I came up with, <laughs> but it is a great question. You know, I guess as I sit here and I'm thinking about it, the, the best question ever is really, and I maybe should have laid out the context to say that I think the best question ever is what I'm talking about is once a person gives their life to the Lord, but even people who don't know the Lord may ask this question. How do I know God's will? And it gets asked in a lot of different ways. How do I know what God wants me to do? And it, it, comes, in all, it comes in all kinds of ways, doesn't it? I'm thinking about making a job change. I'm thinking about, you know, maybe moving. You know, there's these questions. And I mean, who would not want to know the God who created? Who would not want to know what he wants for us? I mean, that's, it's a great question because he's the one that knows best. Sometimes the question comes out this way. Can I know God's will for my life? Because I've heard that debated. Can I know? Can I know what God wants me to do? Or can I know what God, or can I know what God wants me to do? I already said it. Well, there's a couple of things I think that 
need to be discussed before we can even get into the answer to those questions. I think it's two good questions to consider, and that's this. Does the person asking the question really want to know? Now think about it for a moment, because we as believers say we want to know, but do we really want to know? Or do we just want God to agree with us what we want with what we want to do? You know what I mean? And then, as well, before we get into can we or how do we know God's will, it depends on one's view of God. And to illustrate that, I'm going to give you two R words. Religion versus relationship. Now, they're not necessarily... They're not necessarily, like I'm going to talk about religion here in a moment, I'm not necessarily saying that it's all bad. I'm using these words to help us to understand something. When I think of religion, you know, sometimes people will, will maybe you've had somebody say this to you, you're a religious person. I kind of don't like to hear that because it seems to have some connotations to it. Um, I grew up in an Episcopal church. I didn't know the Lord. I was around all, you know, all that that was. And so when I think of religion or religious people, and again, this is just one side of it, I think of stained glass windows. I think of temples, ceremonies. I was an altar boy. This is how dumb I was. I got to carry the cross. If any of you have ever been in a liturgical church, there's always a processional in. I got to carry the cross. And when I would carry the cross, when I would go by people, they would go, I thought, yeah, <laughs> I didn't realize they were bound for the cross. <laughs> when I think of religion, I think of sometimes laws. Um, I think sometimes religion carries this idea of living in two different ways, kind of hypocritical. I live one way, like on Sunday, and then I live, live another way through the week. I think of large Bibles that sit on coffee tables. And again, it's, it's not all that. Um, ornate crosses, that kind of thing. And of course, religion carries with it a broad range of religious faith systems, doesn't it? It does. And when I'm using religion here, sometimes religious peop people their understanding of God is he's distant. He's, he's not, you can't approach him. And in fact, sometimes he's just kind of a concept. And it's very hard to know the will of someone who is just a concept or someone you can't talk to. In relationships, you know, when you open your Bible, you open your Bible to the first page, of the Bible, the first verse of the book of Genesis, which means beginning. You read this. You've heard it many times, but try to process it here for a minute. It's one of the most magnificent scriptures that you could, that's in the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created it all. You know what that means? Process that for a moment. He is not a concept. He is real. He gave us life. Everything we know is from Him. And then you get a little bit further into the book of Genesis and it says this, 
Then God said, let us make man, and it's referring to mankind, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Think about that. Sometimes we read the scriptures and we just go past it, but catch this. Being created in the image of God means that God created us unique from all other beings, all other living things on this earth. He created us with the ability to be in a relationship with him. I mean, process that. He who created out of nothing created us in his image and by design created us to be in a relationship with him. In fact, he made us relational. Matthew 22, in fact, Jared mentioned it, I think, last week in his, in his sermon, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Now, process that for a moment. To be created, to be, cre and when he says, love the Lord your God, when someone says they love you, that means it's, it's uh, when, they want, when, you, when God wants us to love him, by definition, we already know he loves us. That's a relational word. When you tell, for example, your wife, you say, I love you. That's relationship. God created us relationally. And then that's the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourselves. On those two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So he made us to be relational. Not only with him, but with one another. Think about it. I know it's like, yeah, I know, but really process that. The God who created wants to be in a relationship with you. And I would say then, because we are in relationship with him, can I know God's will for my life? I would argue, yes. Can I know what God wants me to do? I would say, yes. At least as much as you can know the will of somebody else. Your wife or your children or a co, you know, when you're in a relationship with someone, you begin to learn what they, what they want. And, and so I think we can know that about God. I've heard people say, you can't know the will of God. I, I just don't agree. I think you can. The bigger question is, how? How can you know the will of God? How can you know what he wants for you? When you're making a decision, how do you, how do you find that out? Well, it's an easy answer. You have to nurture the relationship. It's like anything else. As you know, Vivian and I got married. In fact, we're just one week away from our two-year anniversary. You know, we, we got to know each other by being in a relationship, you know? And there was a process we went through to get to know one another. It's the same for the Lord. You've got to nurture the relationship. So I want to share with you four ways to nurture 
your relationship with the Lord. And there could probably be more, but I'm going to give you four that I think are almost foolproof. The first one, I'll call it prayer. Now, when you think of prayer, I showed you a picture of people praying. When I'm talking about prayer, don't think, for some people, prayer is more like a, a duty thing they do. It's just kind of like what they think you, you have to do. You know, it's, it's religious. But process what prayer is. Prayer is simply talking to or communicating with our God. And that's why I try to tell people, when you're talking to God, I mean, there is a respect. He is, he is the creator of the universe. But when you're talking to God, realize you're talking to someone who is real. And sometimes I think people forget that because they change their voice. They say his name dozens of times. I mean, could you imagine if I came home at night and I said, hey, Vivian, what are we having for dinner, Vivian? Uh, Vivian, what did you cook today, Vivian? What did I mean, it's like we don't, even, we don't even realize we're talking to God and we need to just talk with him, communicate with him. Like any relationship, to know someone, you've got to talk to them. Can you imagine, for example, can you imagine in a marriage relationship or any relationship if you never talked? Well, sadly, some people can understand that. <laughs> I mean, they can. Typically, when people come in to see me and they're having problems in their marriage, one of the things that I will hear is something like this. He never talks to me anymore. And it, what does it do? It hurts the relationship. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 17 says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And I know people want to talk about what does that really mean? Well, I tell you, I can tell you just very simply what it means is this. We need to be in constant communication with the Lord. Not necessarily on our knees with our eyes closed, but in constant communication with Him. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. You want to know the Lord? You want to trust the Lord? Well, you've got to be in communication with Him. I would give you two things to talk with the Lord about, and there could be more, but I'll give you two. The first one is this, talk with him about specific things. Talk with him about you have a decision to make, or you, you're thinking about doing something, whatever it is. Maybe you're being considered for a job or, or whatever. I talked to him about Vivian when I met her. You know, Lord... This, I mean, for me, it seemed weird because I'd been married so long to another woman. I was like, Lord, I, I need your help with this. This woman's come into my life. Is this what you want for me? So talk, don't be afraid to share with him specific things that are going on in your mind or in your life. And by the way, I should tell you, he already knows. He does, but he wants to hear from you. The second thing I would do is I would say, Talk to him about all things. In other words, be in constant communication with him. People call, these, call things like this devotional times. And devotional times where you take time to 
to, to pray, for example, on regular times, it can be a little too religious sometimes. It's like just a duty that I do. But really what the whole idea of devotional times is taking time, taking time to interact and talk with the Lord. It's very much like a marriage relationship. In our relationship, we take time to, to communicate to one another. And it's very important to be in communication with the Lord at all times because can you imagine a relationship where the only time you talk is when you want something? Sadly, some people understand that. The only time they talk with their spouse or a friend or somebody is when they want something. And sadly, that's sometimes how we treat the Lord. The only time we come to Him is when we want something. And you know what that is? Selfish. And it doesn't, it's not good for the relationship. Can you imagine talking to somebody when you only want something from them? The second area, or the second way to nurture the relationship, I'll call it the Word or the Bible, the Word of God. And, and I want you to know that there's other ways the Lord the Lord speaks to us, but the Bible, that Word of God, that's the way the Lord speaks back to us. One of the ways He speaks back to us. Like any relationship, to know someone, you have to listen to them. If you're just talking to them all the time and never listening, the relationship's going to break down, and that's what happens with the Lord. Proverbs 1.8 says, Hear, my son, your father's instructions, and forsake not your mother's teachings. Hear instruction and be wise. Do not neglect it. The Proverbs spend a lot of time talking about the importance of hearing and listening. Could you imagine your life with your spouse or any other relationship if the only time you listened to them was when you wanted something. So you're not really listening, you're just listening for what you want. In counseling, those of us that do counseling, we understand that some people come in really wanting to learn, really wanting help, really wanting to make changes in their life. Some people come in just wanting you to agree with them. Proverbs 1.5 says, let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. James, as we've said many times, says, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. It's important to listen, to nurture a relationship. Two areas to listen to our Lord about, very similar. I'm, I put read, because we're talking about the Word of God, read or listen to hear about the specific, you know, specific information on your situation. What is it that you're thinking about doing, and is the Lord, does the Lord speak to you specifically about that? I can tell you a, a, a situation I had many years ago. A guy came to me, and he was, he was looking he was, he was considering he'd been offered a job, and he needed a job. Now, don't read too much into this. I'm using it as an illustration. Don't think you know how I counseled him. 
But here's what he asked. I've been considered as a bartender. Would the Lord want me to do that? And I know some of you in the room would say, well, that's an easy answer. No, don't, don't serve alcohol and get people drunk. But I said, well, why don't you look at the scriptures and see what the Lord would tell you? He wasn't sure what the Lord would tell him. So I offered him some scriptures to think through. We talked about things like, you know, somebody's going to have that job if it's not you. We talked about that. So somebody's going to serve that alcohol. Um, we talked about what if you serve the alcohol to someone who, who really has a problem with it. And they go out and they, they, get, they get drunk and they go out and get in a wreck and kill somebody or kill themselves. What do you think about that? The point is trying to get tr us trying to listen. I mean, he needed the job. The question is, did God want him to have the job? I can't tell you if he took the job or not. I don't remember. But we listen for specific things. But we also read or listen to maintain communication with God. And again, going back to like devotional times, it's important for us, you know, not to just, oh, I read, I read a chapter in the Bible today, or I read my devotional today, or I, you know, whatever a person does. I got up early. I get up early every morning to read the Bible. Great. But if you're reading it just, just because it's a duty, and you're not really listening to it or paying attention to it or not even understanding that the reason we do these things is just like when I come home, I sit down with my wife and, and I say, how did your day go? And she says, how did your day go? Tell me about your day. And, and we listen to one another. That's what happens when we enter into um, these times with the Lord. We need to be listening for what He wants for us. And again, can you imagine a relationship where the only time you listen is when you want something? I've said it multiple times, but that is a problem because so often I can tell you, I'm kind of, I don't say this to impress you. It's just my personality. I'm kind of a quick thinker. And I have a tendency, the downside to that is when people are talking to me, I have a tendency to project where they're going to go and interrupt them because I already know what they're going to say. Well, that's not always true, by the way. But it's a good discipline to stop and listen. And so often with the Lord, we do the same thing. So the, by, the prayer and the word. Talking to the Lord and listening to the Lord honestly is a little difficult because you don't see him. I mean, I, I can't forget about Vivian because when I go home, she's there. I can't forget about Pastor John, who I'm in a relationship with, because when I go to work, he's there. But you know what? There's times that she's not there. And there's times that he's not there. Do you realize our God, the way we say it kind of theologically, he is everywhere present in the fullness of his being. Think about that. He is everywhere present. He is always there. We just have a tendency to forget that, don't we? We're driving down the road. We get distracted. We forget that he's sitting right next to us. Vivian's not always sitting next to me. But sometimes she's there to say, Tim, is that what the Lord would want from you? 
but he's always there. So never forget that. The third way that I will give you to nurture the relationship is this thing we call wisdom. Wisdom. God speaks to us through other people. And I will say, by the way, this is why the, why the, the, the body of Christ is so important. We realize there's a lot of people away today because of Labor Day, and we understand that. Many of our folks are up at Hume Lake, and, and they'll do a service as a body up there today. Um, so we understand that, but so often we stay away from the, from the church because we have other things going on. And it's important to be around God's people because God speaks to us through his people. Proverbs 4, 5, and 7 says, get wisdom, get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom and whatever you get, get insight. Now, if you process that for just a moment, there's something that's implied there. When we're told to get wisdom, the implication is that we don't have it. That's, I mean, really, practically, why would we be told to get wisdom if we already had it? We don't have it. There's two areas to consider here, and certainly there could be more. But in getting wisdom, it's very important to seek wisdom or counsel from godly people. So often we get, we listen to people who are not godly. And I'm not saying we should not listen, but when we're trying to make decisions and we're trying to know what God wants from us, it's very important that we listen to people who have God's heart in their mind, that they're connected to the Lord. They're not going to just tell us what we want to hear. Proverbs 10:11 or 10:13, sorry, says, "On the lips of him who has understanding, wisdom is found, but a rod is for the back of him who lacks sense. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers." When Vivian came into my life, one of the very first people I went to was right here because I knew he would not just tell me what I wanted to hear. And I had others that I went to. You've got to go to people who aren't going to just be concerned that you love them and, and you're just going to tell them, you know, they're just going to tell you what you want to hear. You need godly people that are going to give you godly insights that are going to spot the things that you don't spot. Very important. And we need to seek counsel from many sources. And the reason I say that is because I said that John is the first one that I would go to to get, to get wisdom, right? But he knows this and so do you. He is not God. And he can make mistakes. Any of us can make mistakes. That's why we want to constantly be testing. We want to go to a wide range of godly people. Where there is no guidance, a people fails, falls. But in the abundance of counselors, there is safety. Without counsel, plans fail. But with 
many advisors, they succeed. And if you take the time to go to godly people and test, test what people tell you by going to other folks, you got a much better job of knowing what God wants from you. And here's the problem. This system that I've, that I've come up with that I'm sharing with you this morning, you know what, the, what is so good about it? It causes you to slow down. Far too many people make mistakes because they move too quickly. They want to know right now. This will cause you to slow down a bit. 1 Corinthians 15.33, I cannot tell you enough. I cannot, I cannot, I don't know how to communicate how, how important it is to have good influences around you. And I can't communicate enough how bad influences, ungodly influences will lead you astray. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good character or morals. We need God's wisdom, and sometimes that comes through people. The fourth one I would give you, I'll call it circumstances. God speaks to us through circumstances, through the things that are going on in our lives. Circumstances are a part of life. They are, right? 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Think of it in terms of opened and closed doors. You know, people spend a lot of time, I hear it a lot, well, God opened that door. And so that's what God wants me to do. Or God closed that door. So God doesn't want me to do that. And people spend, they really pay a lot of attention to this one in their lives. Sometimes the open doors appear to them because they really want to do it. We're masters of justifying what we want to do. But I want to give you two warnings. First and foremost, people tend, tend to use this method only, and I would, I would caution you against that. Don't forget talking to God, listening to God, and seeking wisdom from other people. But I also share this with you. Don't forget that God and Satan can open and close doors. An open door may not be an open door from the Lord. It may be. And a closed door may not be a closed door from the Lord. Remember that, that the ruler of this world... Satan is called the ruler of this world. For a time, because God has given him some freedoms, he has the ability to do some stuff. He won't always have that. But he and his minions do have some, some abilities. I mean, he tempted Jesus. I'm reading a book right now on Job. Read that story. God gave the evil one some abilities to do some things. So he has some abilities to open and close doors. Be careful with that. A closed door may not be from God. An open door may not be from God. That's why you've got to make sure you do those other things.
Don't just think, oh, yeah, I can do this. You know, they offered me that job, so God must be giving it to me. We had a guy in our church quite a few years ago. I would call him a, I mean, I saw him as a very godly man. And he went through some difficult times. And he was offered a job. And he came to me and talked to me. I was just one guy he talked to about the job, and I said, I don't think you should take that job. I just do not feel like that job is best for you. But he went off and took it. He saw it as an open door. And I will just tell you, his, his faith just was put into shambles. He walked away from the church. He walked away from his family. And last I heard, he got put in. He got some jail time for doing things he shouldn't have done. This was a guy that was very godly. And certainly there was more going on in his life than just that job offer. But still, he saw it as a, something he should take. And he went against the counsel of many that shared with him. Think about it. You know, <clears throat> music is a marvelous thing. I mean, I, and worshiping the Lord in music is a marvelous thing. I, I bring that up right now at, before I move on to the last section of what I want to share with you to say this. Have you ever noticed how sometimes we sing songs, maybe every time we sing a song, it's not really true for us. I will put my trust in the Lord alone. I will build my foundation on the Lord alone. It's, it's, it's not always true. And maybe oftentimes isn't true. And I heard someone one time said, well, you shouldn't even be singing that song because it's not true for your life. I say baloney. It's not true for our life. Well, we know that. We know that we are not perfect. But when we sing those songs, we're singing them as a prayer, saying, Lord, I want this to be true. I want to worship you. I want to live my life for you. It's something that we want to do. Will we ever do it perfectly? No, because we're not God. We're infected by sin. We make mistakes, but when we sing these songs, and it doesn't matter what song it is, I mean, what worship song it is, whether it's a praise song or a, or a hymn or whatever, we sing it to the Lord and we're praying to Him that we want, I mean, I want to trust in the Lord alone, don't you? But I have to confess, I don't. And the, the, this whole thing about determining God's will, what I'm, what I'm trying to share with you is that so often we don't follow the Lord or at least sometimes we don't follow the Lord simply because we forget about him. We just get sidetracked by the world. This is why we're so encouraged in Scripture not to conform to the world, as Romans 12 says. But we do from time to time. And that's why we need to constantly be in this relationship with the Lord, constantly be talking to him, constantly be listening to him, constantly being around God's people and paying attention to what's going on around us. I think you can know the Lord's will, myself, at least to the degree that I can, I think I can know the Lord's will at least to the degree I can know what my wife, my wife's will is. I mean, 
You understand what I'm saying? People that say you can't know the Lord's will, something's wrong. Because he wants to be in a, in a relationship with you. He wants to communicate with you. He wants what, best, what is best for you. No matter what somebody else says that portrays God as some kind of tyrant who's looking to like catch you in your sins. That's not how he is. But finally, what I would share with you, this process that you go through, I want to share a couple of barriers, which I've already kind of danced around these through this, so I'll go through them relatively quickly. But you can go through the whole process, but there's barriers that cause us not to hear what the Lord wants from us. The very first one is sin. Sin, we live in a world infected by sin, and it separates us from God. I can tell you before September 1st, I think it was 1980, but before September the 1st, I tried reading the Bible, I tried going to church, and none of it made any sense to me because I was separated from God because of the sin in my life. And it wasn't until a pastor, Pastor Vern, shared with me you know, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, and it wasn't until I recognized that I was a sinner, I recognized that I couldn't get out of my sin on my own, and I confessed that Jesus is Lord and asked him to come into my, into my life. It was after that that it all came to, into focus for me. If you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ, as your Lord and Savior, we would love to talk with you. And in a moment, we're going to sing a song. And while we're singing that song, any of the pastors and elders that are here will come up. If you need to talk to someone about giving your life to Jesus Christ, we would love to talk to you about that. But I would also tell you, and we forget this, that sin also, even for us as believers, sin breaks down communication. We struggle to communicate to one another because of sin. It makes it very difficult. If you look at Matthew chapter 7, I'm not going to read the whole passage to you, but what it is is it's talking, it uses a metaphor for sin, and it's basically wood or a splinter. And it says that, you know, before you can go to a brother of yours or a sister of yours and help them in their sin, you got to take care of the sin in your own life. And it says, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye when all the time there's a plank, a two-by-four, it's all a reference to sin in your own eye. It says, you hypocrites, first take the log out of your own eye, then you will be able to see clearly See, sin causes us not to be able to see clearly. This is why we have so many communication issues. And man, talking to one another is hard enough. Try reading a text or an email and, I mean, boy, talk about struggling to understand people. Sin is a barrier. This is why we have to deal with sin in our lives. As believers, if we've got sin in our lives, we've got to, we need to confess it, repent from it, and move on because we will struggle to know God's will if we've got known sin in our lives. And if we don't know God in a personal way is what I've been talking about, the very first thing we've got to do is give our lives to Jesus Christ. The second barrier, I will call it impatience. I want it now. That's America, right? I want it now. 
And so what happens when, and I've already talked about it, when you're, when you're making a, trying to decide what the Lord wants for you, we get so caught up in what we call the tyranny of the urgent. Someone offers something to us or we have a decision to make. I can tell you, if, if you get into this situation where you gotta make this decision right now, I'd, I, I'd, I'd be cautious with that because slowing down, waiting to see what the Lord wants for us, um, it sometimes takes time. Last Sunday, last Sunday, I was sitting in the cafe and I got a message from my brother-in-law who moved and it said, hi Tim, how are you doing? On Messenger, which I hate myself, but, because I don't look at it that often. And I said, fine, how are you? And I didn't hear anything else. And I thought, oh, my brother-in-law, he got Messenger, and so he's gonna try to use it. And, you know, he just gave it a try. The next morning, I get it from him, I get another one. Hi, Tim, how are you? I'm like, I'm fine, I'm fine, Bill. His, mess, his page says William, but he's Bill to me. I'm fine, how are you? I didn't use Bill. He says, fine, how are you? I said, fine, how are you? And he says, Tim, I have something that I think you would be interested in. I said, okay. Tim, are you there? Yeah, I thought you were gonna say something more. Oh, and he tells me about this thing where I can get $50,000, it's a government it's a government um, program, and he studied it, and ah, I knew what was going on, but here's why I tell you the story. I said, he says, would you like me to send you the information? Sure. So he sends me the information. I said, thank you. He says, you can call right now. I said, you are not William, you are a scammer, and you're trying to take advantage of me to get me to do something right now you understand? And that's, we, we need to be patient, not impatient. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Psalm 34, 37, 14 says, wait for the Lord, keep his ways, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. Psalm 46, 10 says, be still, if I was just to paraphrase, be still and know that I am God. And so often we aren't still. And finally, self-righteousness. And I will just do it quickly because I've already, I've already mentioned it. I am righteous. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. Remember Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me daily. Do we want what the Lord wants for us, or do we want him just to agree with what we want for ourselves? Proverbs 2, 1 to 5 says, my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden tr 
treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and you will find the knowledge of God. We're going to stand and we're going to sing a hymn together. I would tell you it's my favorite hymn. That's not why we're singing it. We're singing it because it is a hymn that talks about the greatness of the Lord. And I have us sing it together because, process this, God, the creator of the heavens and earth, God who is everywhere present in the fullness of his being, God who wants to be in a relationship with you, is a God that you can be in a relationship with him. And he does not need you. Hear that. He doesn't need you, but he wants to be in a relationship with you. As we sing this hymn together, as I said, there will be people up here if you would like to talk. God bless you all.